There was no podcast last week. One of us on the show had a bowel blockage. You had one too? <laughs> and that's our guest. We haven't even introduced him yet. Hey, Hobbs, I know that you were in Milwaukee. Why? Mm -hmm. uh, work. Uh, the, the company I work for is based out of Milwaukee and I had to go some, you know, to some training. It's the first time I've gone to an in-person training since I started with this company. So up until this point, I kind of thought I worked for like Charlie's Angels. It was like a voice through a, like a speakerphone, but they're, they're real people. I met them, but boy, I'll tell you, they have done a great job cleaning up downtown Milwaukee and cleaning up the river and redeveloping that area. Cause I've been going there for years and it, it, the downtown really needed some revitalization and it seems like they've done it. So good on Milwaukee. Dave Otto is a guy that I've known for over probably almost 40 years, wouldn't you think? We worked together in Denver, Colorado. He was the morning guy. I was the night guy. Dave's got stories to tell. He's got a million of them. And I don't want to take up too much time uh, before we also get to two questions with Putin. Let's just go through city by city where all you work. You want to go town by town, too, because I worked pretty much small, medium market for the first five years. First radio okay. job, Catskill, New York, the uh, voice of Green County, upstate New York, beautiful area, uh, economically depressed. I was pretty economically depressed, making $600 <laughs> a month, but you know, I was married at the time, had a baby. That was my first radio experience. I was 19 uh, and then went to southern Minnesota, a town called Wasika. Then I went to uh, Central Coast, California, Paso Robles, uh, which is Absolutely gorgeous area, uh, big wine country now. And I was there for a couple of years. And then I got my first uh, major market job in uh, Phoenix. And I was in Phoenix for a while. Uh, in between uh, Phoenix, I was in Cleveland for about 10 minutes at WGCL. Went back to Phoenix. I was in, God, I was in Houston. I was in Dallas. Uh, I was in San Diego. Boston was in between all that pretty much ended up in Denver. And I worked in the Twin Cities, obviously. I worked at KS95 for four years, which was uh, an extremely dysfunctional show. I mean, wow. the ratings weren't bad, but God, it never clicked. And there's a lot of reasons that I won't get into, but Jeannie Hubbard was very nice about it when she canned me and she said, this isn't working. It's not your fault, but you know, you got caught up in the bullshit. So that's how it goes. Can you allow me two quick small town radio? And it's the same station in WCKL in Catskill, New York. I've been on the air two weeks and it snows every day in the wintertime in Catskill, New York. <laughs> we got like 150 inches of snow and I'm not exaggerating that. Wow. So it had snowed again. Uh, the song Is That All There Is by Peggy Lee was pretty hot back then. So I came out of the song. I just done the weather and I said, uh, because I've referred to six inch snowfall, I said, isn't six inches enough. <laughs> and I immediately got a call, a hotline call from the general manager and part owner. And his name is Carmen Pisa, spelled pizza. And he was about uh, 350 pounds at about five foot four. And he told me that uh, we don't cotton to that kind of radio here in Catskill, New York. You can't pull, you know, and uh, he was ready to fire me. The program director saved my butt. Now, the other story that happened real quick, they opened up a new resort hotel at the base of Hunter Mountain, just outside of Catskill. And uh, they had Tony Bennett opening night, you know, the grand opening for this hotel. Wow. And so they sent me over there with a little cassette recorder. 
And this is my first interview, not just celebrity interview, but my first interview happens to be with Tony Bennett, who I idolized. I grew up listening to Tony Bennett and Frank Sinatra and uh, my parents listened to that stuff. And so I was shaking like a leaf. And halfway through the interview with Tony, he said to me, you're asking really stupid questions. <laughs> it's a what did you ask? What was the one? What, what, what turned Tony to just go, that's stupid, man. I could not remember the, the questions for the life of him, but I can tell you this. It destroyed me. Uh-huh. And I got through the interview. I went True. back to the station. I told the program director, I'm not cut out for this. And he said, who knows that Tony Bennett said you were asking stupid questions besides me. And I said, well, Tony Bennett and me. And he goes, that's it. You think yeah. the audience knows we're going to cut that thing up and it's going to sound professional? Don't worry about it. That's what radio's about, smoke and mirrors. <laughs> it's a very uh, grassroots kind of a deal here, Dave. Absolutely. I'll start with my questions on two questions with Putin. All right. Do you own a bidet? The question should be, how many people have asked him about his bidet patterns? <laughs> okay, my second question for Putin. You ready? Yeah. Who cleans it? Yeah, go ahead. Right. What is your favorite lubricant? Ooh, I would like to know that. Okay, yeah. now there's many things that need lubricated in life. you know, mm-hmm. And then you can kind of identify a lubricant and what is going to get lubed. Okay, so let's just say WD-40. That's a great lubricant. I mean, you can use that on nuts. You can use it on bolts. And then, of course, you've got other lubricants such as a nice Vaseline. You know, Mm -hmm. I've had success with both. I don't know what uh, Vladimir uses. But then there's the KY. And when you think about the KY, I think that that's specifically honed in on one area. Uh, Hobbs, what you got? Uh, what would your name be if you were a girl? What was your mom going to name you if you were a girl? Because wow. I found out my ex-husband was going to be named Brittany if he had been a girl. And it brought me so much delight. So I want to know what Putin's name would have been. I want to figure out what his stripper name would be. So I went on Google and um, I don't know the name of his fir- his first pet, but his current pet is Coney. And I can't find the street address, but he is from Len- Leningrad. So I think that's his stripper name, Coney Leningrad. Can you find out what my stripper name is? Yeah. What's the name of your, what was the name of your, your first pet? Duchess. Okay. Duchess. And then what was the name of your street when you were a kid? 22nd Avenue. Duchess 22nd Avenue. That's right. <laughs> you sound like a hooker. I would have been Rowdy Farmdale. You know what? I'm going to go right up to Sniffer's Row for Rowdy Farmdale. <laughs> I want to I want to see this act. Sounds like a Chippendale to me. Yeah. Uh, now we get to Dave's questions on two questions with Putin. Okay. Uh, question number one for Vlad. Let's see. How big is your Stupnaya? Your Stupnaya? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what a Stupnaya is, but do I have one? What do you think a Stupnaya is? Is it a sh- like a Schwanz? It's a body part. Oh, okay. You're Stupnaya. Boy, we have taken this podcast all over the place today. You want you want to know what a Stupnaya is, or you just want to move yes. on? No, I, I'm dying what's to this, know. What's a Stupnaya, Dave? Foot. A foot? It's Russian for foot. Question number two. Would you trade Brittany Griner for Donald Trump? Kind of a hostage trade. 
You know, speaking of politics, this is crazy about Biden getting COVID. And think about it, is uh, the vice president ready to go just in case? I mean, I think everybody knew when they elected a nearly 80-year-old guy that, wow, he may not even make the end of his first term. Do you think that she's ready to go? I think she's absolutely ready to go. And how big is your Stupnaya? <laughs> I think it's big enough to uh, uh, correct some people's behavior. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> Stupnaya right up the uh, wazoo. Have you guys had it? Nope. I was told if I would get it, I would not survive it. And so far, so good. I knock on my uh, wood that it's good. <laughs> that didn't sound good Wait. either. <laughs> you don't have wood right now though dude. because you know what your camera's off because we're having a little bit of connectivity problems right. um i usually like to see your hands when we're doing this so okay what i want to know is why can't doctors just give everybody paxlovid to have sitting at the house because we all have tests at our homes now and then if you test positive you just start taking it otherwise it's just like okay i got to go to a test and treat or I got to do this, or I got to do that. I got to try to get a telehealth. Uh, you know, just everybody get handfuls of Paxlovid. Give it out for Halloween, for Christ's sakes. People are over it. They don't care. Like I said, I just got back from Milwaukee. I flew. I was one of the few people on that airplane wearing a mask. The gal I was sitting next to was wearing one. The guy sitting next to her wasn't. The people across the aisle, one guy had one on, one guy didn't. Everybody has already said, well, you know, Everybody's yep. resolved themselves to it. Like you're going to get it or you're not. I just got my second booster on Monday and I got it in the morning and Monday and Tuesday were bad. Tuesday, I could hardly walk. I had absolutely zero energy. I thought I was just going to fall over. And then Wednesday, I was fine. But I had, you know, and I didn't have any fever. Uh, I, you know, it, it wasn't a bad situation, but except for the fatigue and the weakness, I, it was very difficult. Just before I was going to go to Portugal last November, I got it, and uh, very mild case of it. Um, it was gone in a couple of days, and then I was. Uh, I, but there's a there's a big difference in the in the antigen test and the, you know, I mean, you got to take the one that you can pass. I uh, couldn't record last week's podcast because I was in the hospital again. And uh, they thought there was a possible bowel blockage. When you don't crap for eight days, it starts to become uncomfortable. Uh, and then I got a UTI, so I'm in an ambulance. Off I go. They kept me in the ER one full night. Then they put me in an observation room for two nights. Then they moved me to inpatient. My infection was clearing. I was starting to get a little stronger, just barely. And uh, a nurse comes into my room. I ask her to helped me reach something that I couldn't reach because I was, you know, stuck in bed, literally. And she goes, well, what's this? I said, those are my dental devices for sleep apnea. And she goes, really? And she goes, I'm not talking about that. Are those pills in this tray? And I said, yeah. She goes, what kind of pills are they? I said, cannabis. She goes, you can't have cannabis here. And I go, it's a medical marijuana state. I can't. No, you can't. It's a corporate policy. And no, I'm taking them. I said, fine. Call my wife, tell her the story. She says, you want me to bring you some more? She's a registered, you know, uh, caregiver to do that. I said, yes, I do. So she brings me a couple more. I hide them in a different place. Oh, guess what? She finds those too. 
Okay. She's like, now I got to report you to the doctor. A little while later, the doctor comes in. She, how are you feeling? And I said, well, um, you know, I, I'm not well. I'm getting better, but I'm just you know, barely getting by. And she said, let's talk about your cannabis issue. She goes, you were given a direct order by a hospital staffer to not do something, and you completely disregarded it immediately. And, and now I'm in a position where I have to tell you that I'm going to kick you out of the hospital. And I said, seriously, is that a threat? She said, it's honest. And I said, okay, let's see if you can go back in all the books you read to become a doctor and find me a line where it says doctors have more powers than the voters of Minnesota because it's legal. I said, try Google. It works pretty well. And not just that, once you stop dishing out opioids and chemo and every other prescription you do each day, then I'll stop doing mine. She goes, I'm done. And I'm like, okay, well, you're not. We're going to go over my blood work. And she said, I'll be back. She never had any intention of coming back because within minutes, here comes a police officer and a hospital administrator. <laughs> and I'm like, going, hey, what can I help you with? And they're like, we want you to sign this document. I go, what is it? Uh, it's a, a statement that says that you have a medical cannabis license. Here's your number. Uh, here's the prescription you have. Here's the dosaging and the whole deal. And it must be kept in a lockbox, which they provided to me. But I didn't have any cannabis. They took it all. So then I got to go down to the pharmacy and I'm like, what's up with this doctor? I said, you know, if there were a form in place, my guess is this major health company that I won't say yet on the podcast because we don't know where this thing is completely going. Uh, I said, what was the deal? If she knew that that document existed, why not on admission did you just not hand me the document in the lockbox? I don't know. I can't say that maybe she's against it. Uh, but yes, corporately, you know, it, it's been around. And we started working on that policy here at F a long time ago. Oh, okay. I knew that was going to happen, dude. <laughs> Anytime you say, like, well, I'm going to keep names out of it, you can't. You can't keep names out of it. You're terrible. At that. I love you, but you're terrible at that. Okay. Oh, okay. It's something like, <clears throat> yes, go on. And uh, so anyway, you know, the doctor, uh, you know, I can't say why she wouldn't do that. And so I'm like, okay, fine. Well, what was uh, the doctor's name? Hey, I don't know right. that. <laughs> that I don't know yet. Uh, but I have it on my file. About 15 minutes later, the nurse comes back again and said, you've been discharged. And I go, wait a minute. Are you seriously kicking me out of this hospital? And she's like, no, they say that you're well enough to uh, be transitioned into a transitional care unit. And I go, she's getting rid of me. I'm yeah. not well enough, right? Well, what's up with that? You know what? That's like in football and baseball and all that. You got traded. Long story short. I called the hospital. No, it's too liaison. late for that. <laughs> uh, call the hospital liaison, explain the situation. They're like, we have no idea why that doctor did that to you. When we have a system in place to handle this, we'd like to investigate the ins uh, the uh, insurrection, if you will, <laughs> on okay, you. Okay, now, all right. <laughs> it's not, okay. 
<laughs> okay, it's not like an insurrection, but you know what I'm talking about. Dave, you've known Moon for a really long time. He it gets a little grandiose yeah. occasionally, and it's my job on this podcast to, to yeah, keep it usually around. he'll take the word insurrection and turn that into erection. So we're lucky <laughs> that didn't happen. Well, thank yeah. God you're here to do that for us. <laughs> Perfect. Let's go back to one night at Y108. And this was when Moon was heavily into whatever would get him off. So, yeah, you you had some issues. No question. We all have. But he calls me, and I'm doing a morning show, I, so I get up at like 3.30 anyway. But he calls me like 2 o'clock in the morning, and he wants me to pick him up. Mm. And he's obviously messed up on yeah. whatever. And I said, okay, geez, where are you? And he goes, I don't know. So I said, well, listen, is there anything identifying around you like like street signs? Can you see a street sign? Is there anything that, that would, would identify where you are so I can come and get you? He couldn't tell me where he was. <laughs> so after about a five-minute conversation, we just ended it, and I wished him luck. And I still <laughs> don't know how you got home that night. But, yeah, he wasn't even, he wasn't even able to tell me where he was. Rehab later that same day. Uh, you want to talk about Dave Chappelle for a moment? Pop-up shows, $130 for a one-hour set. A lot of people thought he was going to bring celebrity guests because he has before. Have you ever seen Dave Chappelle live? I saw him uh, at the Ice House, and they did the same thing. I mean, they all of a sudden, out of the blue, they announced he was going to do like five shows at the Ice House. Nobody knew it was coming. They sold out in about 10 minutes. I'll tell you another thing that's kind of crazy. Did you see the Springsteen tickets that just went on sale? Uh, the on Ticketmaster, you can't find any under two fifty, but most oh. of them are going as high as two thousand. I heard, and tell me if I'm wrong, because this is just something I heard on uh, another source that you had to be a verified person on Ticketmaster to buy his tickets. Like they were trying to kind of cut out some of the scalping, I believe. The way it works is ticket brokers buy up all the tickets before they ever go on sale. So when yeah. you want to see an artist or an act, you know, you jump online, you go to Ticketmaster or whatever, and all the great seats are gone. It's just ridiculous what we're going to go through to see somebody these days. You're actually thinking about moving full time to Portugal. And the end of his story is a trip that I've never heard anything like in my life. Yeah, I've been thinking about this for a few years. I've been thinking about other places to kind of retire and looking at places that had a lower cost of living. So I looked at, at um, Panama and I looked at Costa Rica and stuff, you know, destinations that a lot of people in the United States uh, choose for, uh, you know, hanging out, retiring. I got involved in, in looking at, at Portugal because a couple of friends of mine said, you really got to check this country out. And I went and visited it for four months. And I had, I had been there years ago when I was married but just, you know, spent time in Lisbon on the way to Madrid, that kind of thing. Went there uh, almost, well, right when COVID hit, as a matter of fact, went there for two weeks. And when I got back, that's when they closed everything down. Uh, and then I went this last uh, December, I went for four months and I am moving. I mean, it's this is not thinking about it. Uh, the move is being made. I'm already applying for the D7 uh, residency visa and things like that. And I've got friends there, Americans that I met when I was there in Porto, which is a city I want to move to, and it's a northern city. And uh, so I met some Americans there, and I and I made friends 
with uh, a bunch of Portuguese people too. So, uh, and, and I'm learning the language enough of it to get by at this point. The bottom line on the place is that much lower cost of living, great climate, beautiful country. It's only the size of Indiana. It's a really mellow place, very, very low crime. And people don't have guns there. It's as simple as that. I mean, you ask people, you know, Portuguese people when you're, when you're there, how come, you know, you don't have guns? Does the government limit you? And to a certain extent, they do. Um, you can't get a gun for if you say, I just need a gun for personal protection. They won't grant you a license for that. But they just, their response is, we don't want guns. We don't care about guns. Why would we want a gun? And we have no interest in guns. That's a huge difference between their culture and ours. And, you know, I don't want to get up on a soapbox about it, but their crime rate is extremely low. It's a very safe country to live in. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, Portugal, it's a just a gorgeous country and the people are really cool. Didn't they decriminalize um, drug addiction as well? Yes, they did. And, and instead of a two-party system, basically what we've got, I mean, you know, you throw in a few other parties, but they're inconsequential. Um, they have, in the last election, they had 14 parties okay. that you could join that all had influence, not just, you know, peripheral. It's a really mellow place. And it's a kind of, I got, I got to a point where I, I just can't stand the stress here. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I truly am an independent. I vote. I vote person, not party. I try to do that. But the whole time Trump was in office, uh, I, uh, I was so stressed out. And the idea that, that what has happened in this country in terms of, of uh, you know, trying to control elections and democracy seems to be really, really in peril. You look at a country like that and you go, you can live stress-free for the most part. And the infrastructure is great. The transportation is great. Everything is so much cheaper. We got to stop this right now. We're not editing. We're not airing this because I don't want anybody else to know. This is between us, Dave. I want to go to Portugal too. So we're not going <laughs> to anybody else know how good it is there. <laughs> okay. Okay. It has got a lot of really cool advantages. Oh, it's and- interesting, Tiffany, mm-hmm. that you said that because what's happening is a whole, you know, you can get not residency, but citizenship within a year if you invest $350,000 in some way or another in the country. So you can just buy property, you can buy a business, you can buy a home, whatever it happens to be. And what's happening in Lisbon in particular is that throngs of Americans are going there now because of Americans investing so much money that they've got, especially coming from a place like California or something, that they're raising the prices of of rentals and of, of homes to buy. And there's a lot of resentment that's building up toward America. Oh, yeah. Well, because because we will gentrify something. If we yeah. like it, we will buy it up. Yep. I had a guy call me or a friend of mine call me the other day, and he said, you don't want to go to Portugal now, do you? And I said, why? And he said, it's 113 degrees there. And I said, I'm moving to Porto. The high there was 75 today. And, and I said, yeah, they're going through the same damn thing we're going through. They've got drought. They've got, I mean, if you look, looked at what's happening in Great Britain, yeah. 104 degrees and when the normal high is 75, they don't have air conditioning. The country as a whole is is what I'm looking for. I want to live in peace. That's that's what it comes down to. So I'm there for like a month and a half. And this I, I went there in the beginning of December. And I'm really enjoying myself in Porto. And all of a sudden, I'm getting these symptoms, weakness in my leg. And it, well, what happened was I ended up in a hospital in Porto with blood clots in my lungs and they put me in ICU and they said I was probably within a day or two of dying if I hadn't gotten there 
as, as quickly as I did if I wasn't in decent shape. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because of the, the medical system there is incredible that, the, you know, your medical care and how they treat you and how thorough the doctors are when you have a doctor visit rather than, okay, next, you, you never have that feeling. And my care in the hospital was as good as any care that I've gotten in the United States, if not better. And this is the best example I give people. I was told when I got back to the United States that what I paid out of pocket there, and I'm getting reimbursed by my insurance company here, but at the time I had to pay out of pocket. All of that hospital care, and I was in the hospital for almost nine days, and I was in ICU for six. They said it would have been $200,000 minimal here if oh, I had to pay yeah. out of pocket, right? Oh, yeah. That cost me $11,000. No. Wow. Yeah. And you're going to get reimbursed for some of it. And I'm going to get reimbursed probably three quarters of it. The medical care there is fantastic, and the government subsidizes it. You just wouldn't believe. You go to the dentist and get a, uh, what would it cost if you had a crown, right? One of my American friends just had a crown, paid $14 for it. We're going. Isn't that crazy? Okay, everybody. <laughs> the one final part of that story is the doctors told me when I was in Portugal, you can't fly. Mm. And and I was scheduled to come back. And they said, you know, with the blood clots in your lungs and stuff, you're, yeah. you're risking those things blowing up again. And so I had to figure out how to get home. And uh, so I started in Porto and I took uh, a bus to uh, the southern part of France and I took trains from up to Paris. I stayed in Paris and I went from Paris to London and I went from London to Southampton, England and took the Queen Mary two to New York. That was the only way to get back to the U.S. Yeah. Then it was a 32 hour train ride from New York to St. Paul. It took me two wow. weeks to get home. Unbelievable. Like just like traveling like a hundred years ago though. Like that's cool though. <laughs> I would like to do that once though. I've never spent that long trying to just get to one place. I had a great time doing it. I mean, I didn't want to spend an extra $4,000 getting home, but. So a man was recently sued for $10,000 for standing a woman up on a date. It's a really interesting story. It was a Michigan woman. She sued for $10,000 after he stood her up. And the reason being she was caused emotional distress because the date that they had arranged to get together for dinner was her late mother's birthday. What? Yes. Wow. So emotional distress. Kashante was very upset about it. And so this was during the, they just released some of this stuff. This was recorded more during the pandemic when it was a Zoom call. Essentially, you can hear the judge ask the gentleman, are you prepared to represent yourself? And he was like, well, yes, but I just kind of thought you were going to throw it out. She's yeah. suing me because I didn't go on a date. Wow. Oh, my God. This judge was so patient with this whole thing. It was pretty funny. Jesus. It was thrown out. Uh, apparently, this is not the first time she has uh, filed a somewhat frivolous lawsuit. Uh, litigious. And a little, yes, a little litigious. Let's review uh, your sobriety. Uh, we talked about this new app that can help you either reduce the amount of alcohol you intake or mm -hmm. completely stop. And yep. then Hobbs tried it and it was working great. Let's get an update. Yeah. And it's uh, I call it my alcohol free journey. 
because uh, I'm not completely sober in the sense of like, I don't take, you know, I'm still on antidepressants and stuff. You know what I mean? Like not, you know what I, you know what I mean from an AA perspective, because they say like sober, sober, like, so I always try to be cautious about throwing that word around. I say alcohol free, but no, I'm at 47, 48 days. I'm at like 1150 hours. This trip was the first time of going to an airport like an airboard is the place I like to get down with a couple cocktails. And then they had like moon, like when you're in your drinking days, right? That for 70 bucks, I could have upgraded to first class. Here's an airline story for you. And it involves Dave Otto and I, and we were going to both fly to go somewhere for the weekend. I was going to fly to Omaha. We went to the airport, Denver uh, Stapleton airport way long time ago. And Dave and I went in and started drinking beer and doing shots. Well, guess sure. what happens? They have what? to de-ice the plane. I am hammered by the time I get on this flight. And so when we get on the flight, the plane just sits there and it doesn't move. It's a bad snowstorm. They've de-iced the plane a couple of times and we're sitting there forever and we're not moving. And I, if you've ever had that happen on a flight, it's frustrating. It makes you want to explode. So what do I do? I'm thinking, this needs to be addressed. I get up on that little microphone that the flight attendants oh, use, and I grab it, and I said, what the hell's going on here? I said, we've been sitting here for two hours, and nobody's moving. I said, other planes have taken off. I think the airline, and as I'm saying this, employees are running towards me, okay? Yeah. And I'm like, I think the airline should buy a round. What do you think? And they're all like, yeah, right. Everybody on the flight. And they're like, sir, sit. And they set me down and they said, you are going to be booted from this flight. If you say one more word, we fly to Omaha. I'm completely hammered. By the time I get to Omaha, I have an ear infection and my eardrum ruptures uh, while we're descending. Ooh. I am in massive pain. I'm still drunk. And now I got to go to the ER instead of my house in Omaha. It was a bad night, but I didn't have a bowel blockage. So that's good. Uh, well, now we have to talk about things that you're watching on TV because we do okay. this once a week. Dave, I don't know if they stream things in Portugal like we do here. Is there a lot of broadcast TV or, or what do people do to take in digital content? No, you can pretty much stream. I'll tell you what's hard to, to find uh, was sports. I really wanted to kind of keep up with what's going on in the U.S. sports-wise. And you're hard-pressed. Porto is a city of about 2 million people. You, you, you can't just go to a sports bar and watch American sports. It's all it's all soccer. Sometimes, for some reason, they'll show American hockey. I, I, I don't know why. And the games were played like two years ago. Yeah, they, you can stream stuff there. The uh, flight attendant one is is good. Have you watched oh, that? Really, Cuoco? She's a great actress. I She's a little loosey-goosey in that role, isn't she? Oh, God. <laughs> what is loosey-goosey? Well, means, the, first couple, means... the first few episodes I saw, I've never seen anybody that drunk, uh, you included. Um, you know, and she, she portrayed <laughs> a, a flight attendant who, who drank more than the entire plane. I have not been watching a lot of television or series stuff. I've been... For some reason, on a deep dive of I'm revisiting a lot of 80s horror movies I watched as a kid. I rewatched a, a classic called The Stepfather. 
Oh my God. It's actually, the script is pretty damn good. Someone brought that up and, and I was scrolling through and they're like the stepfather. I'm like, man, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Who was in that? You've seen it? Who was in it? I'm trying to remember. It's a B. It's a B movie. Yeah. You don't, there's no stars in it. Um, but the premise is basically this, the stepfather I mean, you get right from, well, I don't want to blow it because right from the seat, but, but, but from the opening shots of the film, you realize this man, he, the man changes his appearance, he's covered in blood. And as he's leaving the house, he packs up all this stuff. He's very meticulous. And he walks out. You can see that a family is laying on the ground that has been brutally. I saw that. He's an ax murderer. Yeah. And then he, he remarried and it's her daughter who's yeah. freaking out. And the guy is so convincing. He's, He's so, so great. Yeah. He is so great. The, and yeah. and you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, I mean, it's eighties, but the, so the script's not great, but I would like, so I've been on a deep dive. Like I rewatched a lot of Oliver Stone. Like I rewatched natural born killers. So that's kind of where my head's been lately. Not really TV so much. Did you guys ever see the guardian with Kevin Costner? It's real action, packed, but it's, it's about training at the coast guard Academy. And he's like an instructor and he's, Brutal. Cool. I've been watching Only Murders in the Building with Steve Martin and Martin Short with Selena Gomez. Uh, it's fun. I've I've also been uh, now watching, and I'm having a lot of fun watching the last season of Better Call Saul. And other than that, that's about it. Well, we've learned a lot today. Sorry again on missing last week's podcast. Hobbs, you have anything you'll need to promote or plug? I'm just happy I've, for your, your bowel blockage removal. Back that thing up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my God. And on that yeah, happy right. note, that's the end of episode 64, Moon, oh, P. Jug, and Hop.